Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I'll praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous ordinances. I'll observe your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Exodus chapter 22, verses 1 through 15. When someone steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, the thief shall pay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. The thief shall make restitution, but if unable to do so, shall be sold for the theft. When the animal, whether ox or donkey or sheep, is found alive in the thief's possession, the thief shall pay double. If a thief is found breaking in and is beaten to death, no blood guilt is incurred. But if it happens after sunrise, blood guilt is incurred. When someone causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed over, or lets livestock loose to graze in someone else's field, Restitution shall be made from the best in the owner's field or vineyard. When fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that the stacked grain or the standing grain of the field is consumed, the one who started the fire shall make restitution. When someone delivers to a neighbor money or goods for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house, then the thief, if caught, shall pay double. If the thief is not caught, the owner of the house shall be brought before God to determine whether or not the owner has had laid hands on the neighbor's goods. In any case of disputed ownership involving ox, donkey, sheep, clothing, or any other loss, of which one party says, this is mine, the case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to the other. When someone delivers to another a donkey, ox, sheep, or any other animal for safekeeping, and it dies or is injured or is carried off without anyone seeing it, an oath before the Lord shall decide between the two that that the one has not laid hands on the property of the other. The owner shall accept the oath, and no restitution shall be made. But if it was stolen, restitution shall be made to its owner. But if it was mangled by beasts, let it be brought as evidence. Restitution shall not be made for the mangled remains. When someone borrows an animal from another and is injured or dies, the owner, is not, the owner not being present, full restitution shall be made. If the owner was present, there shall be no restitution. If it was hired, only the hiring fee is due. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship at an earthly sanctuary. For a tent was constructed, the first one in which were the lampstand, the table, and the bread of the presence. This is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a tent called the Holy of Holies. 
In it the, stood the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid with all si- on all sides with gold, in which there were a golden urn holding the manna and, the, and Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak now in detail. Such preparations having been made, the priests go continually into the first tent to carry out their ritual duties, but only the high priest goes into the second, and he but once a year, and not without taking the blood that he offers for himself and for the sins committed unintentionally by the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the sanctuary has not yet been disclosed as long as the first tent is still standing. This is a symbol of the present time, during which gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various baptisms, regulations for the body imposed until the time comes to set things right. But when Jesus, when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Good morning and welcome to the 21st Thursday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 119, Exodus 22, and Hebrews 9. And in it we get uh, a hint, if not just a full revelation, of what the purpose of law and punishment is about. In the Old Testament reading we have this list of uh, retributions or um, restitutions, I think is a word that's used in the English. Um, and they're pretty steep. You know, punishment is supposed to be a deterrent. Um, and, you know, the the purpose of, you know, a little bit more than an eye for an eye is to make it less appealing to do things uh, against your neighbor or to be so negligent such that they incur some kind of, you know, monetary or personal injury. And that's the same way today. Um, you know, the, there's fines and fees and damages um, because an eye for an eye can be can be kind of cheap, right? It's not always an eye for an eye, but if, you know, if, you know it, it allows for... Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, it it's fairness is kind of nice, right? If you only suffer the things, the exact same things that that you make other people suffer, it's not much of a, t- a deterrent. It's really fair. It's even-handed. You know, grace is not fair, right? Because we don't deserve it. Um, and human law, I think Paul would agree. Um, Human laws are in place to, as the like corrupt, inverted form of of God's grace. Right? We punish evildoers, and we also punish people who make mistakes, who shouldn't have, who who should have known better. Right? Um, and all of this is this imperfect system. I mean, human law, not God's grace. It's this imperfect system to this, um, you know, just age-old problem of 
human agency, uh, free will, that we can, we can be assholes if we choose to be. God doesn't stop us from being bad people, um, from, from failing, even refusing to be the kind of creatures we're called to be, which is good, um, according to Genesis 1. Um, but the above and beyond the deterrence kind of angle, there's something else that happens in, in you know, our systems of law. Um, and it's, you know, it's psycho-spiritual. And I don't like the word, I don't like the word um, mind and soul apart from each other, because I'm pretty sure your mind is your soul. Um, Pasukos is the Greek word in the Septuagint used for soul. Um, and it's, you know, combination of your experiences, emotions, thoughts. Anyway, whatever. Laws, beyond just being a deterrent, they also are in place, and we get this from the reading in Hebrews, they also have the purpose of perfecting the conscience of the person who has done wrong. And this is in the context of the temple, right? This spiritual system uh, set up to give credence to the human legal system. So all of the, you know, take your goat and two goats if you do this and blah, 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 all of that seems to be within like this human realm of getting back of deterring wrong and getting back what is due to you but that's strictly pragmatic you know it's all temporal you know exchanges um and just like we have a body and a mind soul for lack of a better word um some these laws also work on our pasukas our soul our, our mind and making right, if you've done wrong, um, is also about perfecting your own conscience. So these laws are one thing, but it's another to then go to the, the Holy of Holies and to participate in sacrificial offerings and Yom Kippur and, uh, and all the rest. Um, those, it, you know, and it, it assumes that the people, the citizens of God, are also worshipers of God. Um, and so that's why the reading says the conscience of the worshiper. It assumes that you are embedded with and fully participating in the life of the community. And, you know, the, the, the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian kind of imagination all assume that you can't just, you know, screw someone over pay them back, and then go on about your merry way, that your conscience, your soul, your will must be perfected. And that is not just to make things right materially, but make things right in your own soul uh, with God. Um, and that is the purpose of these sacrificial offerings. Um, it's a cathartic release. At the, you know, At the very least, a cynic would say it's a cathartic release, right, to make you feel better. I believe that it actually does something. Um, that it actually, you know, beside you know, transcending the material exchanges of a human legal system, it also actually operates to absolve guilt. Um, shame is a, another human thing, which I won't get into. But um, and I remember, 
Um, I think I wrote about this in Reborn on the Fourth of July. I remember distinctly in the midst of my CO application coming to grips with what I had done and not wanting to do it again. I was going to this church on the North Shore of Oahu with a, <laughs> a pastor that I'm, I'm just not the biggest fan of, but like, that's fine. I can have my personal opinion and there's still a pastor. Anyway, I just remember going and there's this one Sunday. It was real bright outside and um, I had a GMC Jimmy that was breaking down all the time. I still remember distinctly this worship service and he always preached on Revelation. It was annoying as fuck. Um, you know, after this, the worship service, the, the, the songs and the, the weather and, you know, just the context within which I was, like I was wrestling with some really heavy shit. You know, what does it mean to be a Christian soldier? What does it mean that I've done these things? What does it mean that I want to, you know, love God and follow Jesus? Um, but like, what do I do with my history? And it wasn't just like, oh, I woke up and I had this, these thoughts in the morning. It was like, you know, a months-long process of discerning whether or not I apply to be a CO, you know, pragmatically, but also internally and spiritually, th- trying to understand what I had done and what I should feel guilty for. And I just remember, like, I don't think it was in the service, but it might be. I, I do remember being in the parking lot, sitting in my jimmy, getting ready to go home to wherever, Wainai, not Wainai, Wailua, and just sitting there, just being overwhelmed with joy, I guess. I don't know what it was. And I just felt this deep sense of relief. And a cynic will say, oh yeah, that's that's just cathartic release. You felt better because you were going to church. Um, but that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point of, uh, you know, these... Call it cathartic release if you want. The author of the letter to the Hebrews said, called it perfecting the conscience, making your conscience right. Um, if you have a guilty conscience, you know it, it annoys you, it it bothers you, it, it it you know it's a thorn in your side. But that conscience calls for perfection, and not perfection in like the Christological sense, perfection in like the the legal sense. To perfect a contract or to execute a contract is to fulfill all the the things that it calls for. Um, you know, when you uh, when all parties sign it, basically, right? And everybody's bound by it. that's perfecting a contract. Perfecting the conscience is between you and God, and by extension, the community of God that says, "Yes, this is right. This has been finished. It's been completed." Um, and that's why in God is a grunt, I, toward the end, I write about how, like, look, if, if you don't feel guilty about feeling better, like guilt is not supposed to be forever. Um, our consciences, just like us, they're organic, right? They heal. Um, there are things that you have to do to help them heal, right? You don't keep fucking picking at it. Um, but once it heals, there's a scar you'll remember, right? You always feel a, feel a pang of nostalgia or guilt or something, but you won't feel the same way that you once did, and that's perfectly normal. That's the way God made us. Um, and so I I hope that 
um, we can, you know, as a church, come to a better understanding of what it means that we have consciences that can be perfected um, and stop getting down on ourselves for things that we have sacrificed, you know, gone to the altar for um, and, and absolved, like what it means that we are forgiven is a pretty weighted, weighty, very scary thing that we don't, that we might not feel guilty anymore for something that we did that still has repercussions. And yet this is the world that God has made. A prayer for courts of justice from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, who sits in the throne judging right, we humbly beseech you to bless the courts of justice and the magistrates in all this land, and give unto them the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that they may discern the truth and impartially administer the law in the fear of you alone. Through him who shall come to be our judge, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.